Hello again and welcome to Inside Stories. I'm Tequila. And I'm Jen. Here on our podcast, if you remember, we go inside some of the live stories that have been told here around Madison. We speak with the storyteller, listen to the story, and just ask questions to go inside the story and deconstruct it and find out the whys and the hows behind it. So this week we have Tondalea Taylor here in the studio with us. I like your name, hey, Tondalea. Thank you. You're welcome. I had I had to like make I had to practice first to make sure I got it right. So I'm happy about that. And so I actually met Tondalea this spring because she was in this year's writing class for the Odyssey Project. And what we do, Tequila and I do a workshop, and then several other storytellers come in and help people with their stories. And then on the last day of class, everyone performs their stories. And this particular story, I mean, sort of, you know, I think was one of the more amazing stories that I've I've heard you. told, you know, at one of those, at, at, with the Odyssey Writing Project. So with that, I think we're just going to listen to it, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Here we go. You want to know what I love? I love traveling, great earrings and purses. I mean, who wouldn't love to shop every day, all day, with not a care or worry in the world? I envision myself walking through the airport with my favorite pair of black queen earrings, my cute matching crossbody purse, taking a first class flight to the Bahamas. (laughs) I find myself doing that all too often. I had so much time on my hand when I daydream in the past, it was starting to affect my day job. <laughs> once, I was, <laughs> once I was told to take my lunch, I got back to reality. <laughs> Woo! What a long day of shopping and traveling in my mind. Now I deserve lunch for that. <laughs> um, daydreaming was good to me until I had an unexpected visitor that would put my daydreaming into, into jeopardy. I had been feeling horrible for a few months. Around the holidays 2015 until early spring 2016, never knowing in my mind, I'm here, I'm nearing the end of my time. There is something that will put all of this in jeopardy. What is this lesson teaching me? I'm here to tell a story, but who needs to hear it? You know what sounds good right now? A Portillo's Italian beef sandwich, yeah. <laughs> extra cheese, and some cheese fries. But who want to wait that long-ass line? <laughs> Anywho. Oh, as I was talking about my life-changing experience, uh-huh. I had one more chance to get it right. I was so tired. I almost couldn't make it to the doctor appointment. I wasn't motivated to go because I was tired of not getting an answer. I finally dragged myself to the doctor. Got in my car, drove 20 minutes to the doctor. Never planned out in my mind that, would, that I would drive to the doctor, but I would arrive in the ambulance to the emergency room. It's all kinds of a blur, or blur, or blurry. My appointment was 9 a.m. Granted, I had two IVs that was taking blood. I lost one IV trying to go to the bathroom. As blood dripped out my hand where the IV was, I was on the road to find out what was wrong with me. Eight hours later, one doctor came in and said, you look good compared to what your body is going through. So we're going to keep you overnight. I suddenly had a sigh of relief. And I asked, well, would I be able to get some food? He smiled and said said, yes. As life was about to choke full force, it turns out having food would be the start, end, and least of my worries. After another doctor came in and told me he ran every test he could possibly run, and he said I had leukemia. 
I just looked at him. Like, I know damn well he don't think I know this doctor lingo. And what the hell was that supposed to mean? He said it again, but this time he said, you have cancer. I said, I thought you said you was going to run every test possible and rule everything out. He said he was sorry to tell me this. Then I called my mom and said they think I have cancer, even though he was truly sure that's what it was. I called my mama because I wanted her to call him and tell him about himself. Don't be telling her, baby, she got cancer. My mom was going to tell him about himself, and that's all I was thinking. Like that one time she told the school worker not to be talking down on her kids. Or like that one time she told our babysitter, don't tell us we can't eat our food. <laughs> then, <laughs> finally moved to my first room after being admitted into the hospital. I wasn't realizing how severe this was until I went into another unit. It was the ICU. ICU. I had to go get my overly high blood rate under control before I could get my first dose of chemo, which, by the way, put me in a coma for two days. I wasn't sure how long I had before. I had been there since all the days was running together. It was never told to me what stage cancer I was in. I was always told it's aggressive. If I didn't go to the doctor appointment when I did, I probably wouldn't have I probably would have died. That is a point I always go back to. After eight rounds of chemo, after two bone marrow tests, after various trips to the hospital for infections, after losing my hair, after four non-successful tries of getting stem cells, after telling my son I had cancer, mm -hmm. after not having an appetite, after many restless nights, after not being able to daydream about traveling to Paces with no signs of cold weather anywhere and getting new earrings and anything possible for that matter, I finally got good news. Besides finding out of a stage four cancer, the chemo was working. There was no evidence of the disease, also known as Ned, my new boyfriend. I got stem cells. I made them on my own with the booster shot, of course. I had to get chemo. One last time to get my stem cells ready. For these new stem cells I was about to receive, I'm going in the hospital for one month, take chemo for seven days. This may have been the hardest chemo I have ever gotten. All the chemo I have before was every three weeks, and they all had different side effects. This one made my hair come out in patches. I don't have energy. I wanted people to visit me. My eye had a blood vessel busted from throwing up. It was hurtful, but I made it to transplant day. Wipe my system out and receive a new beginning. It's like filing chapter seven bankruptcy in my body. <laughs> I wanted to go. <laughs> I wanted to go home and heal there. April twentieth, two thousand sixteen is a day I'll never forget. December twenty eighth, two thousand sixteen is a day I will forever be grateful for. I'm living my life after cancer. I enjoy every day as my last because I don't know how much time I have here. Wow. No, no, no. One day, the one thing I was always worried about is if the cancer will ever come back. I've heard many stories of people being in remission for many years and then cancer returning. The thing about cancer is that it's not a cure, so I'm not fully cured of cancer. I'm just living my life like it doesn't exist. 
this time, well not J-Dream, is really to take the trip to the Bahamas with my new surviving cancer earrings and I survived cancer t-shirt. The biggest daydream is really a reality because it involves being cancer free. Another moment to daydream, another moment to, of life. Oh, um, okay. Let me not cry for a second. Okay, hold on. Because I got to ask a very serious question. Tell me about your paparazzi that came along with you to record. <laughs> It's my, uh, that's my brother. It is uh, one of my favorite brothers. It's, um, I'm doing like, I don't know, I guess like a reel of life after cancer, like ordeal. I don't know. I'm just trying to document it to um, share amongst others. So he's not my paparazzi yet. It's just, (laughs) he's the only person that I know that got a camera that can record. So that's him. Okay, I feel real fancy because we yeah. we're being recorded yeah, and we're we, being recorded. Yes, we've, we've, we've never had the cameras on us. And I am a little curious by your comment of um, he's one of my favorite brothers because mm-hmm. I, I hope your other brothers don't listen to this is all. <laughs> They're going to listen. <laughs> They're going to be a little jealous. They know. Well, so I've heard that I heard you tell the story when you told the story. And then when we, then I listened to it right afterwards. And then I actually listened to it because I think I, mentioned this to you, but I was doing a storytell workshop with, with Gilda's Club, mm-hmm. which are people who are cancer survivors who, mm-hmm. who are trying to tell their story. So mm-hmm. I play this for them as an example. Mm-hmm. So I've listened to it several times, mm-hmm. and I'm surprised. I got emotional again. Mm-hmm. And I think partly it's because we heard you get emotional, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had been, um, you've been telling us something serious, but you also had a lot of humor in it. And then you got to this moment, you know, where you got emotional. And so... I got emotional again. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And okay. So in the last podcast, this is like a complete opposite, but it does make sense in my head. So work with me for a second. Okay. So we talked about being vulnerable and not telling the story, like when mm-hmm. the wounds are still open, mm-hmm. but hers is a good example of how you can still be like fresh with those wounds and feel it, but still be able to tell that story. Cause you are at a place still where you accepted it and you're a place of strength, even though it still hurts Absolutely. and it's painful. And you use that, like you broke humor in when Absolutely. it needed to be in and you got serious and let yourself have that moment Absolutely. so man i applaud you because i was thank you oh man thank that you. was beautiful thank, thank you. you thank you could you tell us what it felt like to sort of put together the story and then tell the story <clears throat> i know i feel like um all throughout this journey i've been telling the same story over and over it's like you know how it started how it got cancer how you know, all this stuff is going on around me and I'm trying to, you know, maintain, keep my head above water and, and I'm fighting the biggest battle of my life. And I, I mean, I've told this story time and time, you know, from the beginning of the Odyssey program, I mean, to get into the Odyssey program, they actually talk about a little bit about yourself. And of course I go with this story, like, oh, I'm a cancer survivor. It's like when people ask me, talk about yourself. And the first thing on my mouth is, oh, I'm a cancer survivor. And then I just go into the in depth of the story. So this time I kind of felt like, Instead of being so serious, because it's just been a serious moment, you know, throughout life. So let me, you know, put my sense of humor to it and make it a little fun. But I still want you to understand where I'm coming from with, with this story, which is a serious um, situation. Like, everyone is dealing with cancer some way, some sort, know someone who's dealing with it. So, you know, it's not funny, but I have to laugh to keep from crying. So I kind of think that was my concept of putting a little humor to it. and. 
I couldn't avoid the crying anyway, but right. I, mm-hmm. I, I tried to get there. Right. Well, one of the things that I really loved about your story and thought worked really well is the way you sort of, you started with the daydreaming, you know, because I think everybody, whether you have cancer or not, like we all daydream, mm-hmm. you know, we all <laughs> wish we were doing this thing. And Shopping do, trip. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so you say this thing that we can all relate to, and then you sort of tell us, while it's happening, like I can't even daydream, and then then you circle back to now my daydreams changed. Mm-hmm. But I just like how, you know, I think you let us all sort of access the emotions of the story by framing it that way. Absolutely. And that part, okay, about the mama, my mama tell him that uh, he, he crazy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, black mama saved the day. No, my baby do not have cancer. Something's wrong with you. I'm like, yes, that's, yeah. that's so real. You can feel it, the trueness behind that. Cause like, I kind of felt like if I put a little bit in there, because everybody feel like mama is mama bear, and you're not going to tell her baby nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like, even though it is what it is, it's, it's facts, it's here. It's like, just, just tell them, don't say that. Tell right. them that's not right. And. <laughs> Sure enough, she couldn't save me that one time. But that tells about, too, like, the depth. Like, if mama can't fix it, man, I'm in trouble. So, like, you that scared that it's like you call your mama, like, man, help me. Absolutely. you know something wrong. Absolutely. How did you like like telling it this way where it wasn't solely, like, the litany of this is the rigors of cancer, but you got to put more of yourself in that? Like, was it it more fun to tell that way? Do you feel like it was a more satisfying experience or...? I actually, I did enjoy it. I mean, it was a lot of tweaking. You know, we know there was a lot of tweaking. It was a lot of tweaking to get to the point because the story was supposed to be like five minutes or mm-hmm. something like that. And of course, I just could not narrow it down to five minutes. It just was so hard for me. But I feel like instead of just it being, you know, I got cancer, I had chemo, you know, I survived. It's kind of like, you know, I had a rough battle with chemo. You know, I had a rough battle. Like, I didn't even know the cancer was coming. I felt like it, it gave me a, a sigh of relief. It was happiness, like, to kind of tell a story this way. That way, it's a little bit more relatable to people mm-hmm. instead of it just like, ooh, she got cancer, you know, kind of deal. And I could tell you were kind of, like, working through some of the stuff, too. Like, you had some maybe epiphany moments as you are telling it because you kind of, like, working through it and you work your way back and you kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, and that's what it is. So I kind of like that you didn't edit that stuff out or stop yourself. You kind of went off on little tangents and came back and then went off and came back. I like that in stories, personally. Thank you. Mm-hmm. One thing I wonder for people listening, because I was because I was there, I remember the moment, because towards the end, suddenly you go, no, 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 no. And that's, for people listening, that's because someone got up to either give you a hug or give you a tissue or something and you were just like you're like you're like you're like no 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 like just let me do this you know so but in case you were wondering yeah that's what that was was. i was trying to hold back the tears like at that moment and and coming up and like like giving to like no 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 like i don't want it now like no you're gonna make it worse (laughs) this is gonna ball out i couldn't finish the story so i think yeah that that was a that was the big moment and i was trying to hold it back and jeez yeah, well, um, you know, my you know my experience playing it for people at the Guildless Club, I think this is a story that I think a lot of people will find useful because I think there's a lot of people dealing with serious illnesses or their family members are. And so, you know, I think you just offered a lot with this story. That was perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. And one of the things that stood out to me um, where you got one of the biggest laughs, too, is like, you know, you got the fresh start. It was like filing for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Yeah. Like, I've yeah. never heard that before. Yeah. In terms of chemo, like, wow, that, I'm telling you, that was like really good. That was a really good line. I like that a lot. I mean, it was really intense. Like, that chemo was like, I don't know, like, seriously. And so it was like cleaning out everything. So it was like, I had to take 
shots all over again. The shots that you when you get when you're a baby, mm. like I have to take those shots all over again. Like so, it mm. literally wipes your, your immune system completely out. So that's what I'm like, you know, I get a fresh start. You know, well, as long as we're talking about sort of these like in the nitty gritty health things, how do you build your own stem cells? Yes. What 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 is that? Well, what is it? It's um, it's basically like these little baby cells. And after you get the chemo, it's supposed to, like, uh, clean this, like, uh, filter, like, filter it out. So you uh, go through this process. You get on the machine. You sit still on the machine. And it takes uh, the cells out. So it goes through this, like, machine. You sit there for, like, four hours. You sit on this machine. And um, they take them out. And then they put back in through another IV. So it's a big IV that takes something out, puts something back in, and then you get these little, 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 little cells, and then they put it in at the end. Once your system is wiped out, bankruptcy. All right. It's wow. Intense. That was intense. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah, it was. I mean, it took me a long time to get to that point. You know, it was rough. I was crying because I didn't make my own stem cells. It was. I had to get people tested. I had to get my family tested. You know, so... Oh, so you can... Like the human body can take other people's stem cells? If it's a match. Okay. So it's it some type of specifics that it has to match with your body type. Otherwise, you get, if their system match, then you go into um, their blood type. And then since I did my own, then I just kept my own blood type. But if I had to do his and he was O negative, then I'd be O negative. And oh. So it's a whole system. Nobody matched. So that's why I had to do it on my own. So I'm proud of myself for yeah. that moment. Yes, you should be. Do you do any advocacy work or anything like that? Um, I don't I don't do really a lot of anything. I guess I'm still just trying to figure out, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm always feeling like, what am I doing here? Like life after cancer, you know, I survived this. What am I supposed to be doing? So, you know, every now and then I, I reach out and see what I can get in or see what I can get involved in. There's really nothing at this moment that is really standing out or really no one is saying, hey, come over here and do this. So Hopefully it'll come because it's, it's something for you. Oh, I can yes. feel yeah. it. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, we have some questions we'd like to ask everyone. Uh, yeah. So the first one I'm going to ask you, how do you use storytelling like in your day job, in your life? If if you do, if yeah. you do, um, storytelling. I, I mean, I feel like it's kind of a, a everyday thing for me. I mean, I kind of got to get through through various humps at work, and you know, I tell a story to make me laugh, or I tell a story to make somebody else laugh. To kind of, you know, let's get past it. You know, let's not let this hold us down. And I I think I use it more often now than I ever thought about before. Because at some point in time, you just write. And you just kind of keep it to yourself and nobody knows. But then when you say it, it's like, oh, that was pretty funny. You like that? I got some more. <laughs> There's power with the, when you do it the first time. It's like, okay, give me the mic a little bit yeah. more now. Well, and I feel like, I mean, I've sort of found that, like, you know, whether you're telling stories or encouraging people to tell stories, it's like such a great way to connect with people that you might not have connected with at all Absolutely. otherwise. So, yeah. I like that. Um, our other thing is, what is one of your favorite things to do in Madison? Um, I, I like fun stuff. I like concerts. I like art exhibits. I like, I kind of got like a plethora, a lot of things like, like hip hop dancing. And I like, you know, doing stuff just, just fun. That's relaxing to the mind or even learning something like, 
I kind of, uh, not really picky. I just kind of see what's out there and what I can get into. And if it fits in my schedule, I just go for it. All right. All right. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much for coming in Absolutely. and talking to us so and letting much. us play your story. Thank you for having me. And I for bringing that. the, will we get a camera guy. Can we get Can we get a copy of the video too? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah, need a copy yeah. of that. For when you're famous, I can be like, see, I'm there right there in that video. I wish you had told us before I left the house, <laughs> just in terms of like what I wore and all that, but you know. That's okay. Now you got busted because I was looking busted in the last picture, so it's okay. All right. All right. Well, thanks you a lot. You guys are awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. So how was it when you were editing that um, in the classroom setting versus how you heard it when it was all done? Well, so I think when uh, when she first sort of you know was talking about her story, she had it where she it was pretty it was sort of kind of the litany of everything that happened to her, and she said, you know, I've told the story so many times, I want to think about how to tell it differently. Oh, okay. so so that was when you know we sort of you know she sort of came up with the idea of well let's bring in the daydreaming. Mm-hmm. And kind of run that through just to have it um, come out a little different. And I think it came out great. It did. I really like how it was put together. Like I said, how she was kind of working through it as she was saying it. So good job working with her. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, while we're thanking people, let's real quick thank Richard again for uh, the studio time. And I'll arrange for setting this up with these fancy mics again and um, making sure I talk into the mic. So. <laughs> so just. Uh, I'm realizing now it seems I'm always, I'm about to use the same word I used last time, which is I'm going to talk about some of the nitty gritty details. But, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. We welcome any comments, questions, storytelling event ideas, storyteller ideas. Keep the complaints to yourself because we don't want to hear. We might not respond to those, but the, uh, the email is inside stories, podcast, all one word at gmail.com. And I want to thank the Madison Arts Commission for giving us a little bit of money to kind of get us started on this podcast. And I think that's all all we have to thank. Yeah, that's all we have to thank. I mean, if you want to hear some um, cool jazz or some rap or some um, trap music or whatever at the beginning and and you have something available, feel free to email us at the Inside Stories Podcast at gmail.com with samples of your music if you want to be heard before and after um, the podcast. Yep. And that's it. And we'll be back next week. Thank you.